0: Hello, and welcome to the Wonderful Words of Life podcast. My name is Jim Duke, and I'm the pastor of Almstead Baptist Church in Almstead, Kentucky. I'm thankful you're listening and pray it will be a blessing and help to you. Our subject for today is this phrase that we find in the scripture three times, all in all. It's relative to to, uh, God and that God is all in all. Last time we took a look at this phrase in 1 Corinthians 12, where it tells us here that the Lord works all in all. And and we as the children of God, we need to submit ourselves to that. Uh, that needs to be a great desire of our heart and our life, is that the Lord would work in us, and we'd not be found grieving the Spirit of God or quenching the Spirit of the Lord. Uh, but to realize that the gifts that He gives us, are uh, is his blessing unto us, and we need to yield to him working in us. All in all is an interesting phrase. He's working all or everything in all, and we need to be the subject that second all that he's working in. And we don't want to. We do not want to be found outside of that. Uh, this time we want to take a look in First Corinthians chapter fifteen. First Corinthians fifteen verse twenty-eight. Whereas the scripture says, And when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. So the second occurrence of this phrase, all in all, a title that I put uh, with this thought is, In the end, or rather eternity, God will be all in all. In 1 Corinthians 15, let's back up to verse number 12, and let's see here uh, this first subject relative to this. And, of course, the 1 Corinthians 15 is that wonderful hallmark passage that we see the summation, the summarizing of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection, and the importance of the resurrection verses 1 through 11 give us that summary of the gospel and then the proofs that the Apostle Paul gives the church at Corinth and us that Jesus has risen from the dead, Uh, hundreds of eyewitnesses that saw that it was so. And then he continues on in this chapter about this of the resurrection. We'll pick it up in verse number 12. Doubt of the resurrection? The resurrection is essential. Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? And so there was a contingent there in Corinth that that were teaching and preaching that that are saying that and doubting that Christ did not raise uh, from the dead. Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some of you that there is no resurrection of the dead, that the dead will not raised. they will not be brought uh, in the resurrection by Christ. But if there be no resurrection of de- the dead, then is Christ not risen. So he he te- he makes this corollary that if there is no resurrection of the dead, then you can mark it down. Christ is not risen. Verse 14. and if Christ be not risen, then our preaching is vain, and your faith is also vain. He says, without the resurrection, Uh, why preach? And then without the resurrection, why believe? Uh, the, The resurrection is essential. All of the gospel is essential. But to say that there is no resurrection of the dead denies that Christ has risen from the dead. So we preach Christ, verse number 12, now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how do you say, how some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? He says if there be no resurrection of the dead verse 13 then Christ is not risen mark it down and if Christ be not risen then our preaching is vain and your faith is vain also we we've got a we've got an empty way here that that way that is after Christ that is preached about or told about in the gospels and in the book of acts it, it's vanity it is vain it's empty if there be no resurrection if Christ is not raised and he says this is synonymous Christ raising from the dead is the same as his children raising from the dead. There will be a resurrection, as the Lord describes in John chapter 5, verse number 15. Yea, and we be found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised up not, that's your thinking, If so be that the dead rise not. He said, if the dead don't rise, then you're denying the resurrection of Christ. They go together. They cannot be separated. It uh, it, it smacks of being accusatory to the Lord that where we deny that saved sinners, those in Christ that die, will not be raised. It's an affront to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 16, for if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised? And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. And then he goes another step here to understand. He said about the vanity of faith, if this be the case. And then he says, ye are yet in your sins. It was essential that Christ give himself on Calvary, that he die in that sacrificial way, the shedding of his blood, and that he be buried and and lay there in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights, his body, and that he raised from the dead. And he says, if that's not the case, our faith in him is empty, it's vain, ye are yet in your sins. So our sins still hang over us if Christ is not risen. Our sins still hang over us if the dead are not raised to life in a time to come, verse eighteen. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. Those that have died, testifying of Christ Jesus as their Savior, trusting in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and His salvation of Him. He says, if if Christ is not raised, then they're perished. They're they're gone. It's over for them. It's it's it's. There's no hope or help for them in the life to come. And if in this life only, so he makes another statement here, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, which which I'm I, I need to mark this, and we need to mark this and note this. We do have hope in Christ. Our hope is in God always, and it's our hope is in him because of his promises, his unchangeableness and he is the giver of life. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. He says, the hope of the resurrection, the hope of eternity and the life to come is our great hope in our Lord. If, it, if all about living in Christ and being saved just for this time in this life, the apostle. Note it down under the inspiration of God. He declares, God tells us we are of all men most miserable. It's a miserable state if this is the only life that is there. So doubt the resurrection. Understand the resurrection is essential. Then we come to this next portion, and starting in 1 Corinthians 15:20, where he goes on. Doubt the resurrection. The resurrection is so... For Christ Jesus and for us. It is true. The resurrection is true about Christ. And it is true regarding the children of God. Verse 20. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept and understand this reference to sleep is talking about physical death. It's like the Lord Jesus was was dealing with the apostles and ultimately dealing with Lazarus and his sisters and the people there in Bethany and so on. As the Lord is always doing, he's always working on all all at the same time. Word came that Lazarus is sick. The Lord Jesus tarries in that place where they are on the other side of Jordan it seems. And then uh uh The word comes that Lazarus or or the Jesus says, let's get up and let's go to Lazarus that I might wake him out of sleep. And so see, the Lord knows something. Word came that he was sick and then the Lord tarried. And then the Lord says days later, let's, let's load up and go over to Lazarus, Lazarus that I might wake him out of sleep. The apostles say, well, we know he's been sick. And if, uh, if you go to if he's taking a nap and sleeping, resting to get over his illness, he's doing good. And Lazar- and Lord Jesus tells them plainly, the scripture says, Lazarus is dead. That's the reference that the Lord gives to physical death for humans and mankind. It's like sleep. It, 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 it indicates... Uh, the very thing that we fear greatest in this of death of the physical body. It's just natural. It's normal. We should fear death. Death is is too, in and of itself, a natural man should fear death. You should fear dying because it is permanent. It is eternal. And and it brings the question to you about are you ready to die? Are you ready for this body to, to to give up the ghost to, for, for the spirit, the soul, to return unto God who gave it and it be dealt with according to the salvation or not uh, that one has here in this life. Are you ready for death? Uh, death is to be feared. But in Christ, it is as if it's sleep. That's the reference. So the apostle writes in verse 20, But now is Christ risen from the dead, mark it down, it's fact, and become the first fruits of them that slept. He is the first one planted and brought back from the dead. He is the first one buried and brought back from the dead. That is Christ. He's the firstfruits. For since by man came death, speaking of Adam, and by man came also the resurrection of the dead, speaking of Christ, Here's the clarity verse 22 for as in Adam all die even so in Christ shall all be made alive but every man in his own order Christ the first fruits afterward they that are Christ at his coming and then if you will the damned the unrepentant and the unbelieving they will be raised also there in the book of the revelation chapter 19 for their judgment at the white throne judgment of Jesus Christ. And so we see here, we saw first doubt the resurrection. The resurrection is essential. And then in this passage, verses 20 through 23, doubt the resurrection. The resurrection is so. It is true for Christ Jesus and also for us. He went first. He will bring us with him. And then in here and next in this uh, passage, we're getting to now our text verse and and this about God being all in all. We want to see what's wrapped around this verse and this thought of God being all in all. The resurrection brings us to the end, which is really the eternal beginning. And that's speaking about relative to us. Um, The resurrection brings us to the end, which is really the eternal beginning for the saved. And it is the eternal beginning also for the damned. But the subject here is those in Christ. Verse 24 of 1 Corinthians 15. The scripture says, Then cometh the end. Okay. now when it's speaking about the end, it's speaking about relative to this life. It's speaking about to these things of the world, Uh, the the existence that we've known for nearly six thousand years since the Lord created Adam upon the earth. Yes, the earth is six, about 6,000 years old. Not, not millions, not billions, not tens of thousands, not a hundred thousands uh, or tens of thousands or even 10,000. It's around 6,000 years old. And we get that timing straight from the scripture and the genealogies that the Lord gives. The scripture says in verse 24, Then cometh the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God. That is Christ Jesus. He shall deliver up the kingdom to God. Even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power, we see total submission to him as we uh, saw and and preached in our message about uh, submission and subjection to the Lord. For he, Jesus, must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. And I love this. This is a blessing uh, to us. And if you are here without Christ, hear what the Lord can do and has done. And the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. The greatest thing that a natural man fears is is destroyed by the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the reason he's Savior. He's the one that has the keys of life and death. He's the one that can rescue the soul. He's the one that can forgive the sinner of his sins. He is the one that can save the soul of the sinner. Wretched and, and dirty, and dark, and, and far from God. Jesus is the one that can deliver you from death. We, we beseech you, we beg you, flee unto him. He is the Savior that you need. Repent of your sins and believe and trust in him and his death, burial, and resurrection for the salvation of your soul. The last enemy that shall be destroyed in this, all of this rule being put down the authority, the power on the earth of men, uh, the ability and the power of that of the fallen angels, all being brought subject unto Jesus Christ, even that of death. His last enemy will be destroyed, death. For he hath put all things under his feet, that first he is speaking, uh, he is speaking about the Father, hath put all things under his feet, that is Jesus Christ, but when he saith all things are putting under him, the Father, when the Father saith all things are put under Christ, it is manifested that Christ is accepted, which did put all things under him. And so Christ is accepted of the Father because of what he fulfilled and what the Father sent him to do. And he will have dominion over all. Verse 28, our text, listen. And when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also be subject unto him that put all things under him. We saw that in a previous message of, of submission, subjection. And so the Son is going to, uh, when all things are subdued under the Son, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him, the Father, God Almighty, that put all things under the Son, that God may be all in all. Now let's, uh, let's stay right there and think about that. The creation, the kingdom, is all going to be given by the Son back to the Father. And the Son is going to become subject, and in, and in that showing subjection as a man. He is the God-man, but he became a man for us. And he shall be subject unto the Father that put all things under him. Listen, that God may be all in all. In our previous message, we dealt with this all in all. Think about that. That God may be all in all. So would he, that, he, that God may be everything in everything or everyone. Unity. Unity. We, we cannot imagine the unity that lays ahead for us in God Almighty that is, that is awaiting the children of God in our Lord when the Lord Jesus fulfills these things, even bringing this last enemy of death uh, to destruction and to an end that God may be all in all. Listen. Listen. I tell you what, it's, it's, it's it, we, we grapple with trying to understand it and trying to uh, to explain it. That God may be everything in everyone and everything. You think about the new heaven and the new earth. Is there sin there? Is there any hint of death there? Is, is there any former thing that is remembered there? Is there anything but life there, and blessing, and peace? All the attributes of God, all the perfectness and glory and righteousness of God, in that in that eternal day, in that new heaven and that new earth, in that new Jerusalem where that temple is there, uh, that 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 the people of God that Jesus is and and all the things that the Lord uh, does and he's described some to us that we just find so difficult to truly comprehend, God will be in all of it. And he'll be everything and everyone and everything. His holiness, his righteousness, his grandeur. And understand the children of God will not be spectators, but they will be those that enjoy this fullness of God being all in all of us. Listen, what's the definition of salvation? The definition, A definition of salvation that tells about what salvation is is the Spirit of God living in us. And you know what? Every good thing that is worked in us by the Spirit of God is the blessing of God and the righteousness of God. That God may be all in all. And in that day, God will be in all. He will be in everything. It's His plan, His work, and His mercy and graciousness and love Toward sinners like us, to take us and take us and make us kings and priests unto Him, and the Son will will subdue all things, and He'll be subject unto Him. He'll deliver it up unto the unto the kingdom unto God, as it says in verse twenty four, even the Father, that God may be all in all. The Father will be there. The Holy Spirit is there. The Son is there, having become a man. And the children of God, the angels of God, we are all there that God may be all in all. Oh, what a unified, glorious thing that the Lord would be unified with such sinners as we are, but he will have changed us to where we can handle being there and enjoy his love and his mercy and his goodness towards us forever we go on with this passage to uh, take a look at at this we've looked at doubt the resurrection the resurrection is essential doubt the resurrection the resurrection is so for jesus christ and for us and then thirdly here doubt the resurrection well why do we baptize this can be a confusing passage for many and and the wording here is such that it, it can make it difficult for us to understand. But we need to understand about baptism. If we understand about baptism and what it represents, from the time that John the Baptist was baptizing, he was testifying of the gospel, right? You take the dead person, you bury them, as John uh, baptized those that testified in repentance and faith, in the, the Messiah, the Deliverer, the Redeemer that he preached, and they, he put them under the water, and then he brought them up under, out of the water, a testifying of the gospel that Jesus would fulfill and came to fulfill before he had done so. And so the, the baptism testifies about that burial because of death and that resurrection because of Christ. And so he says here, uh, doubt the resurrection, then why do we baptize? He said, "Why do we baptize?" Let's let's read it. Verse 29, 1 Corinthians 15. Else what shall they do which are baptized for the dead? Or if you will, because they are dead. See, we we are naturally dead. We are made alive in Christ with the the spirit of God within. The old body is still unsaved, but in this body we do the first works by obeying the Lord in baptism. And so that this is not speaking about someone being baptized, being put under the water for some dead relative that they want to try to get from hell or purgatory over to heaven. It's speaking about nothing of that. It's speaking about uh, in this context of the resurrection, you doubt the resurrection? Well, then why do we baptize? Because the baptism speaks of resurrection. Else what shall they do which are baptized for the dead? Or because they are dead. If the dead rise not at all, we put them under the water. If, there is no, if Christ is not raised, if the dead do not raise, then don't bring them out of the water. Why are they then baptized for the dead? Or because, that word for is can also be substituted with because and so difficult wording there but that's that's what's being testified about is that the baptism the physical work of baptism it has no saving merit in it whatsoever but it shows what has happened to the sinner what christ has done in the fulfilling of his gospel that he died and because he died he was buried and that because he's the first fruits, and because he is God, because he has the power over death, he raised from the dead, and we are buried with him in baptism. We we identify with Christ with with what he did for us when he is raised from the dead. So will we be raised? And so he says, "Else what do they do? What shall we do?" Uh, Else what shall they do which are baptized because they are dead, if the dead rise not at all? Uh, Why uh, are they then baptized because of the dead? See, it's because of our, our, this whole flesh is not going to heaven. It's not going to glory. It's going to die and stay here. But in this flesh we obey the Lord in baptism, and it shows forth what will happen to us Uh, spiritually, what will happen to the soul, and then at the resurrection, what will happen when we get a new body in Christ. He says here in his defense... Of the resurrection of christ remember the greeks the romans they mocked they mocked about the resurrection of the dead why stand we in jeopardy every hour regarding this of resurrection what why, why would i take all of this on the chin and suffer all these things i protest by your rejoicing you have this conceitedness you have this uh you have this idea that you're smarter than god Listen, I protest by your rejoicing which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I die daily. He says, This old body is dying. I look forward to the resurrection. It is my hope to live with Christ eternally in a physical body. If after the man of men I have fought with beasts at Ephesus, and I don't think he's speaking there about physical lions and tigers and bears and such, but about those at Ephesus who would deny the resurrection of the dead and, and follow after the wicked thinking of, of the uh, Greek Roman and Greek gods of mythology. He said, if I fight with them, if I wrangle with them, if I stand in jeopardy every hour in this defense of this part of the gospel of Christ, what advantage me if the dead rise not? Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. He said, that's the philosophy of the Romans. That's the philosophy of the world. That's the philosophy that we have today. Eat and drink, for tomorrow we die, and that's it. He said, no, I preach Christ suffering, bleeding, dying, being buried and risen again, and we have great hope in Christ of being raised with him he being the first fruits as has been described listen to what he says here be not deceived verse 33 evil communications corrupt good manners you know and this is applicable in so many things but in this context here you start thinking about you start thinking like this that there's no resurrection it's going to affect your behavior you you start letting this be a part of your communication about denying the resurrection, the guaranteed resurrection of Christ and the resurrection of his own. You 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 start denying that, you keep on denying that, evil it is. It's going to corrupt your behavior and you're going to go further off. The gospel is a whole death, burial and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ for the salvation of sinners for the granting of eternal life unto sinners saved by our Lord. Doubt the resurrection? Then why do we baptize? Don't be deceived. The Lord gave us baptism. John the Baptist sent by God. A man sent by God to baptize. And, and God told him how to baptize. Not John and on his own. And the Lord told John, put him under the water. And then raise them back out of the water because my son will raise from the dead. And so he will bring his children with him in that resurrection of the righteous. He says, be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Awake to righteousness and sin not. He said, put this thinking behind you. For some have not the knowledge of God. You're you're not lining up. With the word of God and the knowledge of God. You're, you're denying the obvious. So don't, don't we live in a day like that today? Denying the obvious. Denying the obvious. It's terrible. And he speaks, he's speaking not to the heathen here but he's speaking to his church. He says, awake to righteousness and sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God. You don't know what you're talking about. You're not receiving what the the word of God has brought unto you in this foundational, this very simple, this very glorious thing of baptism and what it typifies and what it speaks to us about of the resurrection of Christ and of the resurrection of his children. He says to this church, I speak this to your shame. And may we not be found in a shameful condition denying the resurrection of our Lord. So we see here God, that God may be all in all. In the end, or rather eternity, God will be all in all. Doubt the resurrection? The resurrection is essential to the gospel. Doubt the resurrection? The resurrection is so. It is true for Christ Jesus and for us. The resurrection brings us to the end, as the scripture says there in verse 15, 24, then cometh the end, which is really the eternal beginning for the children of God. In conclusion, connection, and application, do not doubt the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do not doubt the resurrection of the children of God that the Lord will raise with the the power of his voice. The resurrection is indeed our great hope in our Lord. Because of the resurrection, we shall live forever with our Lord in a physical body. Because of the resurrection, we will be joined and unified in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit forever. As the passage said in 1 Corinthians 15, 28, and when all things shall be subdued unto Christ, unto him, then shall the Son also be subject unto him, the Father, that put all things under him, that God may be all, that he may be all in all. Everything in us. And that is a glorious, glorious place to be, that God may be all in all in all of us, forever. Oh, even so come, Lord Jesus. If you're the hearing of my voice and you don't have the Lord Jesus as your Savior, we point you to him. He's altogether wonderful. He's the Savior that you need. This world, your flesh, the thinking of your mind, the sin that maybe gives you so much pleasure, physical pleasure, And an emotional pleasure in this life, uh, if you'll take a real look at it, it never lasts, does it? It always begs you to come back, and it always requires more, more payment, more uh, going down into depravity, into wickedness, and the mire that sin is upon uh, the human soul and the human existence we point you to the Lord Jesus Christ. Repent of your sins before God and believe and trust in the Lord Jesus for the salvation of your soul, his death, his burial, and his resurrection for the salvation of your soul. Let's pray. Dear Father, we thank you for this word and we thank you, Father, for the encouragement of it. And Lord, we praise your name for the resurrection of our Lord Jesus and what that means for us. And Father, for sinners that are hearing this message and hearing your good word, Father. We pray that you would open their eyes, open their hearts, open their ears to hear it and to receive it and to believe and trust in Christ Jesus for the salvation of their souls. Father, save them and work in them as you only can, we pray. Help, Father, that we would live for you, that we would remember, Lord, this great hope and expectation that we have because of the resurrection that you will be all in all of us for eternity your children, Father, uh, indwelt by you and there with you, closely joined in a wonderful, wonderful place throughout eternity. Father, help us that we might testify of it unto others. And Lord, help us that we'd never forget it. Lord, that we would rightly divide your word of truth. And Lord, that that our, our communication of such would be true and right. And Father, that our conversation our manners, our way of life would not be corrupted by wicked thinking about the truth and a departure from the truth. Help us, we pray. We ask it all in Jesus' name and for his sake, and amen. If you would like to listen to other messages from God's word, I want to take this opportunity to invite you to our church's website at almsteadbaptistchurch.org. That's O-L-M-S-T-E-A-D- baptistchurch.org, where under the media tab you'll find recordings of our local broadcasts for the many, many years. You may also visit our baptistarchive.com website. There's a link to it on our uh, uh, OlmstedBaptistChurch.org site, but baptistarchive.com website, where we have hundreds of messages brought by many Baptist preachers along with myself. I want to thank you for listening, and I look forward to the next time when we can look into our Lord's Word together on the Wonderful Words of Life podcast.